Welcome to Political as Heck, a podcast where we discuss Utah politics and policy. I'm Corey Astle, joined by Utah State Senator Todd Weiler. What's up, Todd? Hey, Corey. So, it is the doldrums of summer, but there is some interesting things happening. This past week, Americans for Prosperity and the All About Food and Fuel gas station put on an event in Lehigh, Utah, to raise awareness about how high gas prices are and how it's impacting Utahns. For about an hour or two, they sold gas for two thirty-eight dollars a gallon, which was the average price per gallon when Biden took office in January 2021. And the price around the valley that day at every other gas station hovered around $5 a gallon. So basically, it was almost half off, more than half off. They held the event to highlight the need for pro-growth energy policy and, you know, to talk to folks and capture some stories about how everyday Utahns are, are dealing with the inflation and price increases and Americans for Prosperity covered the cost, bless them, uh, sold over 3,000 gallons of gasoline. So that wasn't a real cheap event. So good for them. I think it shows that policy does make a difference. And I think that's what they're really trying to highlight is that energy policy makes a real difference. Democrats will say and tell me all the time that the Keystone Pipeline and more leases wouldn't make any difference on the price of gas for 10 years. Well, guess what? Guess how long they've been blocking the Keystone Pipeline? Over 10 years. Yeah. So that 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 uh, that oil would be flowing to this very day had they not blocked it. So, I mean, it's really uh, convenient to be able to say, oh, this thing that we have to plan ahead for, we didn't plan ahead for it because we blocked it. So there's no need to do it now. Well, you know, this is how it is. And supply shocks, it's true, are not irrelevant to the story, but America can unlock all the energy it needs if we just had the will to do it. And Trump went a long way in that direction, and which is one of the reasons that uh, gas dropped below $2 a gallon when he was, when he was president. Um, oil is a global market. That's true. But, you know, America could be pretty much oil de- uh, independent. Um, but it's worth noting that natural gas is not a global market. And so that's why we're not actually really hit by the supply shocks. Of, of Russian gas. And uh, that is not going to, it's not a guarantee that that'll stay that way with the, with the current uh, policy trajectory of the Biden administration. So policy will determine whether, you know, natural gas prices go through the roof too. Anyway, I want to say kudos to Americans for Prosperity. That's a cool event. Got a lot of good press, I think. Um, like I say, I mean, Europe has inflation because it follows our market. We're to blame for a lot of it. That's the truth. And obviously, the Russia gas situation and the war uh, is affecting them in a way that doesn't really affect America. So when we hear from Democrats and the left that uh, inflation is worldwide, and so this isn't Biden's policy. Well, I mean, it's really tracking what we do, especially Europe. I mean, a lot of what happens in America is going to have a big effect on them. And then on top of that, they have the war and the Russia gas situation. So they're actually harmed more by us. It's not like this is a worldwide thing, because in Japan, for example, they're not having inflation, and many parts of the world are not. So anyway, Todd, did you catch this event? Uh, did it get your get your attention? What do you think? Yeah, I saw it reported in the media. Um, you know, it's interesting that, you know, people are waiting in line for hours, and I'm not sure that the math works out all that well. <laughs> you know, you're saving two, over $2 a gallon, I get it, but if you have to, you know, for me, I'd have to drive 30 miles to get there, you know, each way. Yeah, so yeah. it wouldn't have worked out well for me. But yeah, if it was around the corner, if it was in your neighborhood. Um, but I do think it's uh, interesting that Biden took office literally last year 
and you know gas is is still double of what it was a year and a half ago and yet the administration is kind of thumping their chest that the prices have started to come down and they have started to come down but the problem is is you kind of box yourself in when you call it putin's gas hike and then it comes down without you doing anything I guess now we're experiencing Putin's uh, gas cut. I mean, <laughs> you know, I mean, now kudos. He, you know, uh, Biden did go to Saudi Arabia and fist bump, you know, one of the Saudi leaders and beg them to, uh, you know, to, to to let more oil out, which may help in the long run. But I don't think, you know, in the short run that it's that that's the reason. And well, it's is- also sorry to cut you off, but it's worth noting that they said no. I mean, the Saudis yeah. after the fist bump. After our uh, our president goes and pronates himself before the Saudis, they're like, no. Yeah, Sorry, go ahead. I'm just saying he he at least tried that one. He is releasing a million barrels a day from the strategic reserves, but we found out some of that's going overseas, and that that's going to stop you know right about the midterm elections. And so, yeah, I, you know, I'm going to push back a little bit on the Keystone pipeline. So. I, it's fair. The Democrats have been fighting it for 10 years, but I'm not sure that that's fair to blame on Biden. And, you know, the original intent of that is that that oil would have been processed in the South and then gone overseas. And I know that that could have changed, that that, that could change in the future. But I will I will ding Biden for the oil gas, uh, the, the, the oil and gas leases and the permits, because even Obama was issuing thousands of those and and a biden's administration has basically brought those to a halt Mm -hmm. so i and i don't pretend like i'm smart enough to understand all of the um factors that go into gas prices um nobody can explain to me right now why utah is about 50 cents a gallon more than the rest of the country i think we're about eighth highest in the nation california leads the nation and then hawaii and alaska round out the top three um but um you know, but I do understand that uh, Biden campaigned on trying to end fossil fuel. And 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 now I think those, you know, those promises he made, those statements he made in the debates against Trump are, are now coming back to haunt him. Well, and you, it's kind of like, why don't you own it? Because you said yeah. this was going to happen and you wanted it to happen and your yeah. policy is moving in this direction. And now the prices are up. You're blaming it on Putin. Why not just yeah. own it and say, yeah, yeah, that's what I said was going to happen and we need to do this. If yeah. that's what you really believe, that's what you really believe about climate change, that this is what we need to do, then own it and say, this is this is a good thing for America. Yeah, and, you know, as a state senator, I've heard liberals and environmentalists say for years that we needed to get gas above four or five dollars a gallon so Americans would start paying attention to these issues. So it's kind of like this is their nirvana. But yeah. you're right. Now that they're there where they wanted to be, uh, Biden's kind of running away from it and blaming others for it. Yeah, because it's not popular. So. Ah, no, no, it's not. Okay, next topic. The Salt Lake City Council voted to make, uh, to uh, voted to provide free tampons, make those available to, quote, people who menstruate. <laughs> they wanted to, they make these available in uh, men's restrooms. I guess the University of Utah has already done this. Yeah, so we're talking I about was, free tampons in boys' bathrooms in men's bathrooms. Yeah, and I'm Todd, assuming, what do you think of this stunning and brave move? I'm assuming this is just in city buildings, not like if you go into an Arby's, you know, in Salt Lake, the Salt Lake City Council. <laughs> but I'm assuming in the city offices and 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 whatnot. 
Um, hey, if that's how they want to spend their money, that's fine. I was at a meeting at the University of Utah Law School about two months ago, and I went into the men's room on the sixth floor of that building, and there were uh, a whole array of uh, menstrual products there for free. Um, and I, uh, I was, <laughs> I was surprised enough that I took a picture of it and said, "Okay." <laughs> Because I, I mean, in my, I'm 55 years old. My entire life, I've never seen tampons and pads in a men's room. But I don't, you know, I, I voted for the period project this year. You know, there's girls that get caught in junior high and high school, um, you know, where their period starts and they don't have the products. And I think that's that's horrific to put any child through that. And you know, Salt Lake City Council, I, it, it's no skin off my back, Corey. But it is it is an interesting and with all the problems in Salt Lake City, it's interesting that this is the one that they would choose to address and spend money on. And while I'm spending talking about spending money on things, um, they're switching all their 25 mile an hour speed limit signs to 20 miles an hour in all their residential neighborhoods, which is fine. It's their prerogative. Those signs cost a couple hundred dollars a piece to switch out, is my understanding, having been on a city council. But more importantly now. They, <laughs> the police can pull over anybody that they want to because nobody goes twenty miles an hour. Oh, no. when you, you when you, when you talk about profiling and targeting minorities, I, and this was pointed out to me by uh, by one of my Facebook friends, uh, you just gave the Salt Lake City Police carte blanche to really pull over anyone they want to now because they can say, "Oh, you were going twenty four miles an hour." <laughs> and, <laughs> Uh, what do you got there in the, you know, what's under your seat there and, you know, what's, what's bulging out of your pocket. So I don't know. I, I think it's, I think they're well-intentioned, but I think something like that could easily backfire. So I think we had, I think it's uh representative Lizenby's bill, right. And we had her on and, and doctor, but I, that's great. I, I mean, that's a good thing for, but we're talking about, I mean, it's, this is, it's like we're through the looking glass right now. We're, t- we're talking about putting this in men's rooms. So we have, we have uh, their schools of, you know, failing schools in Salt Lake city huge infrastructure needs, open air drug scenes, increasing crime. Now, I don't want to sound, make it sound like it's, you know, post-apocalyptic, but there are real problems in Salt Lake City. And they need to make sure that they stock feminine hygiene products in men's rooms at taxpayers' expense. I mean, at a minimum, I think this, this runs even with any of the silliness on the right here in Utah. And of course, I, I mean, I just, I, I know this is my hobby horse, but my goodness, like the trip reports it as if it's a triumph of, of, of history and the arc of history and social justice. I mean, what it really is, is the triumph of folly over seriousness, not to mention like what a complete freaking waste of money. It's crazy. It's extreme wokeness. It's uh, I mean, this is, it's, it's almost like a contagion an infection where we have to almost outdo each other. It's a religion. Yeah, I can't, I can't disagree. I also noticed this weekend, the trip had a huge profile because the, executive director of um, Planned Parenthood Salt Lake is retiring. And you would think that like she was Mother Teresa, the way that (laughs) the trip is profiling this woman who is, um, you know, overseeing, you know, the the killing of unborn children for over a decade. (laughs) Not to put too fine a point on it. Next, next uh, topic for us. The Utah Attorney General Sean Reyes joined 20 other attorneys general in a lawsuit against the Biden administration because the Biden administration, USDA, is threatening to withhold nutritional assistance for schools that don't follow this new sex discrimination programs. I mean, what we're talking about is the administration is reinterpreting Title IX to mandate schools adhere to the, the, uh, 
their transgender agenda, and they're threatening if you don't follow it, they're going to withhold SNAP funds. SNAP, what we're talking about here is school lunch for low-income children. Reduced school, reduced, yeah. Yeah, yeah, reduced or free lunch for kids. So, I mean, this is like real extremism, and and it doesn't get reported as as such, but it should. I I honestly, you see something like this, it's like, I don't want to hear anything more about how Biden is like the centrist adult in the room, honestly. I mean, this is pretty radical leftist stuff, and it's for them, I mean, for, for the Democrats, for Biden himself, I mean, it's like cutting off his nose to spite his face because this is SNAP is a Democrat program. I mean, it's a priority for Democrats every year and, you know, in the farm bill and whatever else. And they're, now he's threatening to take it away if Utah schools don't like reorient themselves to align with this radical identity agenda and policing wrong, wrong think or, you know, whatever it is in schools. I mean, literally, they will take away school lunch from poor kids unless the schools bow to these extreme demands. I mean, it's again, one more thing to take your breath away. I say bravo, General Reyes. Uh, I think it's nuts. Todd, what's your reaction? Well, I think that, um, yeah, I, I think that the Biden administration is stretching here. And I'm going to, this is a little bit in the weeds, Corey, but the problem and the basis of the lawsuit, as I understand it, is the problem is that the Biden administration, they didn't jump through all of the proper procedural hoops. So instead of taking on this new policy um, head on, they're actually just issuing um, interpretive guidelines and new definitions, uh, speaking of new definitions, um, and now redefining something that you know has never been defined that way to include transgender kids. And so if they went through all the hoops, which I think would involve public hearings and comments and months of of things, then then this is maybe something that they could do. And so I think the basis of the lawsuit is they're skipping steps. And for that reason, and based on the fact that we've seen similar um, uh, uh, step skipping techniques employed by both the Trump and the the Biden administration, I do think that the Republican attorney generals will win this lawsuit. Lawsuit. Now, that's a short term victory. Um, now, there was, I think, a, a U.S. Supreme Court decision called Bostock about five or six years ago, and that basically said you could not discriminate on the basis of gender identification, including transgender. Uh, but that was Title seven. Uh, and this is Title nine. And I think the Bostock decision expressly said that it, it was not intended to apply to Title IX. But here's what I'm saying. If Biden or another Democrat is elected president in 2024 um, and they want to push this new policy um, through the proper channels, they may get it through. But I do think that they cheated. They cut the corners. And I think the courts, um, for that reason, will will say that they can't do it. Well, the, the Supreme Court case we talked about just the other day is, is really on point here, too, the West Virginia v. EPA. Yes. Where the court is basically saying, like, you can't make these major changes just just as a reinterpretation of a law yeah. Yeah. and pull it out where the text doesn't doesn't support it. And so I think I think the administration is going to have a, a tougher road on these uh, these guidelines issuing. So guidelines is a way to go around the administrative law process that requires um, notice and, and opportunity to for stakeholders to, to weigh in and and have a comment period and so forth. So. But yeah, I mean, and, and anyway, the, the Bostock decision wasn't, didn't involve like this level of uh, hostage taking and ransom, you know? No, it didn't. And, and it's not directly applicable, but I'm just saying 
if in the future the Supreme Court applies the reasoning from Bostock to Title IX, this is something that Democrats could win in the long run. But in the short run, they've cut corners and they're kind of cheating. And I think the courts will, will not back them up. All right, let's talk a little federal. Uh, the Biden administration and the mainstream media spent the week trying to change the definition of a recession. And Todd, you posted about this on Twitter. What do you think? Did I? <laughs> well, it's funny. Wikipedia had to shut down uh, edits. Um, the, the Wikipedia has a, a a page called, you know, for recession, and it had over sixty edits in like three days because <laughs> everybody was going in there. And so um, it, it's so. It's so sad to me. And, and, you know, Republicans have done this maybe 10 percent as much as Democrats have. But, you know, we can't define what a woman is anymore. We can't define what a recession is. Uh, You know, this this idea that we're going to take established terms that everybody's understood for, well, in the case of women for thousands of years, in the case of recession for decades. I mean, one of Trump's own top advisors was on the news in 2008 saying that a recession is defined by two periods of negative GDP growth. And that, that same advisor today is saying, no, well, that's not exactly true. But let's let's be clear. We are now technically in a, in a recession. The definition didn't change last week just because the White House said it changed. But there are there are some components of this recession that are different than like the 2007, 2008 recession uh, because unemployment rates are down. And so I, I think I think that um, the media and, and by the way, does anyone believe for a moment if Donald Trump were still You're in right. the House? Yeah, we had two, or Bush. I mean, or, honestly, even Bush or, or any Republican DeSantis, if we had two quarters in a row of negative growth that the media would be out there saying, well, this isn't really a recession just because it meets the technical definition. This is this is uh, more evidence that the media just takes their talking points from the did basically the DNC and then they run with it. We're all supposed to drink that Kool-Aid. But my, my point is this. I think if Biden said, yes, technically this meets the definition of recession. However, this is different than uh, prior recent recessions uh, because the unemployment rate is low and because of these other factors that, you know, so I, I think I've heard economists like um, Natalie Gotchner from the University of Utah's uh, Kim Gardner Institute say, yes, we're in a recession, but this is probably going to be a light recession and knock on wood. I hope it is. I hope I hope we're not going down the, the drain like we did, you know, 14 years ago. Well, there are some conflicting indicators, as you say, and uh, I'm glad to hear that uh, Ms. Gochner is uh, is positive. I mean, I, I heard Larry, um, anyway, the former uh, Obama uh, NEC chair and uh, yeah. uh, Clinton administration as well. Anyway, he's he's out there. He, I mean, he's saying like, yeah, it'd be great if we had a soft landing, but history doesn't really have evidence of soft landings in these when we have inflation. Basically, it's going to be a hard landing, so we need to. We need to figure it out. So right, if you and I gather 50 economists in the room, uh, in the one room, we'd get 60 different opinions. And so, yeah, so they're, they're going to be different, but you know, like, I mean, hopefully, hopefully it's a soft landing, but we'll see. I mean, the, but the real big takeaway for me is how uncanny once again, it is the mainstream media just dutifully lines up as if directed by some invisible hand. Like yeah, everybody yeah. just lines up where it's just, and it's a bizarre thing. Like any of us who follow this at all, you're just like, it's always been two two consecutive quarter quarters of negative growth, and now all of a sudden it's not because I mean it's I don't know it's it's tough. And to be honest, like I, I 
I wish that people in our media and journalists would would recognize like how damaging this this kind of behavior is to just constantly be so biased and, and lining up behind one side. Honestly, and, I think that the toothpaste is out of the tube. I don't think the American people trust the national media anymore. And, and they're just showing them why they shouldn't trust it. And, you know, th- there's also the conflicting, I'm just going to, you know, by analogy, the conflicting nature. So when COVID started under Trump and it was a worldwide problem, uh, the media said this is all Trump's fault. And and when Republicans would say, well, wait a second, Europe is dealing with this. Australia is dealing with this. It's all over the world. They say, no, it's all Trump's fault. Now that inflation is uh, is running rampant in the U.S., the media says, well, this is a worldwide tr- problem. You can't put <laughs> President Biden. And the the, the the double standard hypocrisy is what has always bothered me, and I'll never get over it. Yeah, yeah, touche. All right, so we're running late, but let's get this last uh, piece of political buzz. A new Deseret News poll shows that Democrats in Utah give Senator Romney a higher approval rating than do Republicans. Not sure this is such a huge shocker, but uh, just yesterday I had a very liberal friend of mine, lives in Salt Lake, tell me that he thinks that Romney is the best senator in America right now. And I was like, the best senator, huh? From I mean, you're pretty liberal, you know? Uh, But anyway... Let's not forget that that uh, Joe Biden said that Romney was going to put black people back in chains. I mean, if <laughs> these Democrats are not going to come to his aid, they're going to be back disparaging him in five seconds. So I hope he doesn't bask in it. Also, Evan McMullen, too. Uh, you know, the wake up call is going to come. But in any case, in any case, I think it, I personally think that if uh, if Senator Romney ran for reelection today, he would win, I think. And I know that's an, uh, that's that's not a popular opinion among a, a lot of especially Utah County uh, Republicans. Most people think that he won't run. I think that he will, and I think that he would win. So I, I think I that he has some work to do among conservatives in Utah. I don't think that these Democrats will come to his aid, but he's got a lot of money. He can raise a lot of money, and he's got pretty uh, a lot of incumbent momentum. Anyway, Todd, what do you think? I don't know if he'll run again in 2024, but I agree with you. If he does run again in 2024, I believe he'll be reelected. Um, and uh, for many of the reasons that you've said, but I just want to push back. I don't want our viewers, our listeners to assume that because uh, Romney is more popular right now with Democrats t- today or this week than Republicans, that that means he's basically a, uh, a Democrat. I want to remind you, <laughs> he, he, he voted for the Trump agenda slightly more than Mike Lee did. Um, he has a Republican voting record. He does step out on on some controversial issues like this gun you know this this latest uh gun compromise he's not afraid to stick his neck out um on on some issues that he feels strongly about but um it's not as if Mitt Romney is is in there working with Chuck Schumer and voting for the democratic agenda that that's not the case at all and the reason that a lot of republic or some republicans don't like him is a Trump doesn't like him and some Republicans kind of take their lead for Trump and B, he voted not once but twice to impeach Trump uh, two different times. And some people are never going to forgive him for that. And so, you know, Romney is moderate on on some issues, uh, some social issues. I think he's pretty conservative on fiscal issues. Um, and, and I think that you'll see his poll numbers, you know, go up and down with the, the, the you know, the various um, issues before the country. Yeah, he's definitely taken some conservative stuff. And one thing that uh, we didn't have time to talk about today, maybe next week, is uh, he signed a letter with the, some Republicans on the, on the Health Committee in the Senate 
to the Biden administration asking for an audit of $10 billion that was supposedly used for, for COVID marketing um, purposes, but a lot of it were, just became a slush fund for for left-leaning um, advocacy groups. Surprise, so, I surprise. So bravo, though, to Senator Romney, and we can talk about that next time. All right, that's Thanks, it. Great. Thanks, Dodd. See you next week. See you.